This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management uh, with Art Wiederman CPA. And I am Art Wiederman. I am a dental-specific CPA. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, I am very, very proud of the work we've done on our podcast. It's uh, We're now in our second year, and uh, we've just got great, great, great things to come. Um, we launched our partnership, as I mentioned uh, in a couple of episodes ago, uh, with an amazing magazine called uh, Dimensions in Dentistry. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, Decisions in Dentistry. And Decisions in Dentistry is a clinical-based uh, research magazine um, that has the best articles uh, on clinical dentistry that you're ever going to find. Um, so if uh, you are not subscribing to this magazine, uh, you want to go onto their website, which is www.decisionsanddentistry.com, uh, and go to their About page, and then you can subscribe. Uh, for Let me give you some information before we get into our topic, which is probably one of the hottest topics in dentistry today. Um, let me give you some information first. If you want to get a hold of me at my office in Tustin, California, I'm at 714-505-9000. And if you want to email me, email me at artwiederman at gmail.com. If you have a comment about a podcast, if you have a suggestion for a a guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you know a dentist who has a great story that's really inspiring, I would love to talk to them. Um, if you want to look at all the webs, all the uh, podcasts that uh, we've published, and they're all on our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com. Uh, Go to the resources tab and go to the podcast tab and every single uh, podcast, including the one that we're going to be recording today, will be on there. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, uh, we got you covered. The Academy of Dental CPAs is the premier organization in America uh, for CPA firms that specialize in working with dentistry. Uh, 24 CPA firms, of which uh, mine is one of them in Southern California, uh, that represent well over 9,000 dentists. Just want to give you a couple of other things, and then we'll get right to our guest, who's Bill Rossi today. Um, I want to tell you again about this great event that's happening in Southern California called CDA Cares. It's a great event that happens uh, every year. This year, it's July 17th through the 18th at the Long Beach Convention Center. So for those of you in Southern California or are going to be in town, please call, um, go on to the uh, website cdafoundation.org backslash Long Beach and get some information. They need volunteers. They they serve over 2,000 dentists. I'm sorry, 2,000 dentists. I'll be all right. They serve over 2,000 people um, who would not normally get dental care um, every uh, every year when they do this. So they need dentists, dental hygienists, dental assistants, uh, and, and just general volunteers. I will be there. Um, some of my team at HMWC will be there, and we're very excited about this. Also, if you're in Southern California, we're doing a couple of transition seminars on April 17th at the Sportsman's Lodge in Los Angeles and on May 1st at the California Center for the Arts in Escondido. We're doing a a seminar on everything you wanted to know about transitions. If you're buying a practice, selling a practice, um, we've got the legal end covered, we've got the management end covered, and I'm going to talk for a couple of hours about how you uh, value a practice, the tax ramifications, and what you need to do to get practice ready for sale and what to look for if you're a buyer. Uh, and if you uh, want uh, information uh, about that, go to our website, wpps.com slash dental dash seminars, and uh, you can sign up. Today's topic is probably, as I said earlier, ladies and gentlemen, one of the hottest topics in dentistry, and it has to do with dentists contracting with uh, PPO plans. Now, um, some statistics, according to the National Association of Dental Plans, 64% of the U.S. population has dental benefits. 
75% of those people, about 150 million people, have the traditional commercial uh, insurance, the, all the insurance companies, the names that you know, and 25% have public insurance such as, as uh, Medicaid. And our guest today is one of the most well-respected dental consultant coaches in the nation. Uh, Bill Rossi is the president of uh, practice um, uh, practice man- advanced practice management uh, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Bill works with uh, 250 practices. Uh, he's got 35 years of dental practice management experience. I mean, his his main business is, is helping dentists to be more profitable and uh, do better in their practices and have a better quality of life uh, in their practices. But his uh, specialty is really, um, ladies and gentlemen, that's our topic today, is helping dentists evaluate, manage, and in many cases, exit relationships with PPOs. And I will tell you that I talk to doctors every single day. There's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And I'm just going to do a little math because I am a CPA and I am required to do math on these podcasts. It's federal law. So let's do some math. Ladies and gentlemen, if you give a 40%, take a 40% haircut on a uh, on, on um, seeing a bunch of patients by contracting through a PPO, if you go out of network with that PPO and you retain uh, 60% of the patients, you will do the same revenues and do 40% less work. It's that simple. And we're going to get more and more into this topic. So, Bill Rossi, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thanks, Art. Uh, glad to be here. So, Bill, th- this is a really, really uh, important and hot topic, and you spend a lot of time uh, in your practice dealing with this. But why don't you give us a little bit of background about you and your company and, and, and what you do for dentists? Okay, I'll keep it quick. I was originally going to get into medical practice management, but my uncle, who is a dentist in uh, Minnesota, Rochester, Minnesota, said, why don't you look into dental management? Um, he had worked with, he was, uh, with a dental management company and anyway, uh, the old professional budget plan of some of you might remember that sort of thing. So anyway, I got into dental, uh, practice management and boy, I'm glad I did. Cause if I didn't, if I got, went into medical, I'd be one of the suits at the HMOs. Um, you wouldn't want so, that to happen. Yeah. And so, uh, I like uh, being in the dental end of things because their business and my business are the same scale. You and I were talking, you know, eight, 10 employees. I also, I never want to have something that's like a thousand employees. And most of the people I work for, I have practices that are quite large, but most of the people I work for uh, are independent private dentists. And I'm kind of on a mission on that. When my uncle was president of the Minnesota Dental Association, he dropped out the dental. So I might have some of that in my DNA. <laughs> he, was a, he, he, he was a panky guy, uh-huh. and so of that stripe. Uh, anyway, so I uh, started in dentistry in 1980, but I started my business, consulting business, in 1990. Before that, I was working with PEB, a software company. So, so anyway. Th- so that's your story, and you're sticking to it, huh? That's what, sorry. So when I, I've never... Uh, since I started the company, I've been working for less than 200 offices. And my main thing, as you were saying, is to help offices grow and be secure and have doctors have a handle on things and give them an important third-party prote- perspective. Well, what happened here in Minnesota, though, uh, sort of created this specialty. In 2001, Delta of Minnesota pulled a loony. It, it kicked off 71 dentists, essentially. It slashed the reimbursements so low, they said, well, if you want to leave, we understand. So these dentists were completely surprised. I mean, like a month notice and boom, the checks are going to the patient. Now, Minnesota, Delta is not 30% of a practice. It's like 70% of the typical yep. practice. Yep. So this is quite a shock for those guys. We called them the Delta 71. <laughs> and so the Minnesota Dental Association knew I work at the time with a lot of the doctors of the Panky Dawson stripe. I'm not a one-way uh, I work with doctors all over the spectrum, and I find they're, they don't conform to my model. I conform to what they want for their practice. But I haven't had quite a few doctors that were already out of network. And so uh, when these other doctors were in shock, I was asked to help them, and that was our big baptism of fire. And uh, from that, uh, then other doctors started contacting us regarding, well, I want to leave MetLife, or what do I do about uh, – 
Aetna or this, and then uh, people like Brandon Collier and John McGill and Woody Oak started hearing about what I did, and they invited me to participate in their seminars and uh, and write articles. And so this has become, like you said, sort of a for me, sort of a freak specialty. wasn't expected, but you to do what I do, you have to know practice management and the PPO game because you can't play the PPO game if you don't know the context of the practice you're working with. So, for example, uh, I think most of your audience would know about Dr. Uh, Dickerson, but he would stand in front of an audience and say, look, everybody should drop Delta. And emotionally, I'm all for it. But as the big exorcist, and I'm going, no, 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 no. That's too serious a decision. It's like saying to a room full of people, everybody take antibiotics. Some of you will die, but uh, whatever. I've done that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, what's wrong? What's wrong with that? I mean, antibiotics are good, right? Yeah, yeah, they're great. Uh, So, anyway, uh, that's how this became. Then I, you know, get contacted by people from all over the country now uh, that are uh, mad as hell. Like this last article I wrote for the Prophet Venice, mad as hell, and don't want to take it anymore. Yeah. So that's kind of my story. and and I will I will tell you you and I are kindred spirits because what one of the things that that I do in in my coaching and consulting I'm a CPA I could never do what you do uh, but I know enough to be very dangerous uh, 35 years in dentistry you learn a couple of things is I talk to dentists about about being out of network and fee for service practice and we're we're going to get into all of that today so let's let let's I want to take this kind of in a a, a logical progression because. Uh, Let's start off talking about uh, the thought process of of going in network with PPOs. If a dentist is thinking about it, um, what what what's the first things they should be considering? Uh, Generally, uh, my problem with the world right now is most of them already signed up with too many, so I'm pretty much on the back end of that. You get them when they're already in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because a typical client of mine is a mature practice where the guy goes, wait a sec, uh, I'm really busy. I can't outrun the discounts anymore. Um, maybe I should do something about it. But to answer your question, uh, generally go slow. What happens is uh, for us, our, you know, we look at numbers, but uh, for if, if a doctor has a practice and the Anderson family says, will you join MetLife because our factory is going to take on MetLife? They emotionally hate to lose the Anderson family. And so dentists are pretty quick and emotional to sign up and sometimes too emotional when they drop. So my main thing is uh, to go slow uh, about signing up. It's a lot easier to get into these things and get out. And I'm often telling clients that, look, you jumped in the swamp. It's going to take a while to get out. It's easy to get in. So I would say generally go slow. And, And there's tactical things like, you had the Anderson family say they're going to leave, but really what is happening with your patients? Are they leaving? Are you going to join a PPO that uh, you already have 100 patients on and then you join the PPO, you're going to be taking discounts on patients you already have with the hope that you're going to get a lot more patients? Uh, have you really looked at that? Because uh, I'll have doctors do that and they go, gosh, I didn't know. Yeah, you already have patients you're seeing on a network and now you give them a 40% discount. That, that's right. And, and and a couple other things, and, and again, this gets into a little bit of your coaching is, you know, we work with metrics programs and things like that in, in the work we do in the CPA practice, Bill. And I mean, a lot of doctors, um, they already have tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars of production in their current charts. They just don't know how to get it out of there, right? Right. That's I mean, that's kind of a mainstay. The way I always put it. In a dental office, if you want to grow fees aside, either have to see more people or do more for the people you see. Yep. And in some, and related to the PPO, sometimes they they sign up so many PPOs, uh, they're running past their treatment, and so there's an inverse relationship. If a doctor does 400 exams a month, they do less per exam, um, and so that is one of the factors. If they do more for the patients they see, they don't have to be on the treadmill, but they don't have to get all elitist and everything be foam all three construction either. No, that's a, that's a, that's another podcast of, of, of how to right. present cases and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I get this from young dentists. I, I lecture at the dental schools here in Southern California. 
I lecture to a lot of dental conventions and, and I get the young dentists. I'm starting up a practice. And, and if I don't sign up for every PPO out there, I'm going to go bankrupt. Comment to that. Again, I'm not usually on that end of things. And I wouldn't, if I was buying a practice, if I was a young dentist buying a practice, I would say uh, you might want to negotiate with the PPOs the selling doctor is already participating with to take it a shot at saying, can you pay me more? But you don't want to change PPO participation when you first buy a practice. So I'll have guys call me up and say, well, I bought this practice, but I dropped uh, MetLife right away or something. I go, no, no, no. You want to meet the patients before you go through a transition. So if you're buying an existing practice, you you don't want to peel off PPOs right away. You might try to negotiate a bit, but you want to know the patients and reconnoiter and see how you're doing before you do it. Scratch starts, I don't work much with. Okay. But if I was going to buy someone, I'd say uh, go slow. For example, if you're going to join Delta and you have the option, which you still do in most states, don't join Delta PPO. Join Delta Premier. The additional discounts you get don't get you that many more patients or keep you that many more patients. And um, don't sign up with these huge networks unless you play them off each other. So if you talk to Connection, and uh, Denimax or Zealous, there's overlapping all over the place there. Go with the one that pays you the best. But generally, I really dislike those network plans because you get all kinds of PPO creep. You really jump in a swamp with those. Oh, yeah. And people don't understand what they're signing up for. We'll get to that in a, in a minute. So I, I was uh, looking on some of your – you got some great stuff. If you just Google Bill's name on the Internet uh, and go to his website, he's got some great articles that he's written. Uh, one of the things he's got is in 10 Things You Need to Know um, About You and PPOs. You talk about the fact that you have – dentists have more power than they think. What does that mean? Yeah, thanks for asking that one. That's, um, that is really the bottom line. I think most dentists are so scared that if they leave a PPO, they're going to lose all their patients because they think that the only reason patients are with them is because of their PPO uh, status, you know, their network affiliation. And of course, uh, I have done research on this. If you're with, if you're completely insurance free, you get less new patients. That's true. But we also checked that if you start adding PPOs at a certain point, uh, you just get additional discounts. You don't get additional security or revenues. So uh, when I say that doctors have more power, they sometimes think if they left MetLife or Aetna or Connection or Denimax or Delta PPO, all their patients would leave, and we've not found that the case. Patients do like you for more than your network status. And the danger is if you get on a treadmill and you're going faster and faster, you could kind of create the practice where people only like you for your network status because there's nothing else to like because it's a it's it's too hectic. Uh, that's my sermon. The doctor, really, you can leave a PPO and you will keep most of the patients if you go about it logically. And mm -hmm. every doctor I've ever talked to, Art, from the East Coast to the West Coast says this. And it doesn't matter where they are. They go, well, in my practice, people always just pretty much pick their dentist from their insurance company list. I've heard that from every practice east to west, and as if if they don't um, join all the insurance companies, their new patients will drop to zero or something. And I I, I hear that from everyone. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think you do either. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah, but it's the fear. And here's the thing, man, Anderson family. You and I can say, well, what if you lost a dozen patients? Well, that's just a dozen patients to us. To the doctor, that's the Anderson family. It's a lot more than just a number, and that's that's what works for the PPOs and against the dentists. It's the fact that dentists are such wonderful, caring people, and I, I don't need to patronize the, the audience I'm talking to. They know how I feel about dentistry and, and, and dentists in general, that they are absolutely some of the most caring people, and they, they do. It's like, they just like you say, oh, I, I really want to take care of the Anderson family, and, and I'll take that 45% uh, uh, discount on the 1110 Pro. I mean, really. So so let, let's talk for a minute. I want to get – I want to spend a lot of time about kind of how we go out of network, but, but I want to start talking about um, uh, out-of-network benefits. Now, uh, many times – if you go out of network with a PPO, 
um, they're going to pay whatever their out-of-network fees are. But if you compare that to what you would be getting uh, from going on to the PPO, isn't it true, Bill, that many times that that's not too far apart between the out-of-network fee and what the, the PPO fee? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll use an example. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, that happens quite a bit. So if I'm speaking to a room full of dentists, yeah. I remember I think I did one of this at one of Brandon's seminars, but if I ask a room full of dentists, uh, how many of you have met life? For example, usually about half the room of the, uh, of the dentists raise their hands and say, yeah, I'm a met life provider. And I say, how do you like it? They go, it really stinks. Uh, I write off 45% of my fees. I hate it. And then I'll say, put your hands down. Um, how many of you are not with met life? And the other half of the room will raise their hands. Right. And I go, do you have met life patients? Yes. How is it? They go, fine. What? What? I mean, I kind of spook them because, uh, and then I'll say to the first half of the room, the first people that raise their hands, did you see that? And they go, yeah, but not my practice. I mean, it just drives me nuts. Oh, I hear that all the time. All the time. So, and I go, well, look, at I really have looked into this. Uh, by the way, Art, I'm, you know, again, I've been in the business a long time and most of my clients in the upper Midwest are long-term clients and I never want to be in a situation where I cavalierly tell someone to drop a PPO and I run into them at some the Chicago midwinter or something and say, thanks, Rossi, for killing my practice. So I'm more careful. If I say someone can leave a PPO, they can. I'm pretty sure about it. I've never had anyone regret it, but I'm super cautious about it. But I, but the what happens is MetLife, knock on wood, most plans are like insurance used to be. If you go out of network, the patient pays half of what your fees are. There are times uh, with some MetLife plans uh, where they have co-pays of 20 or $30 for a preventative visit. Oh, fear. A lot of patients are okay with that. So, yes, you can do it. Now, Delta has a situation in some states where if you leave Delta, they pay exactly the fee they did for the patient on the network. So if you charge 110 for a pro fee and they've been paying you 90 when you leave, they just pay the patient 90 so right. the patient would have a $20 copay on that profi. Which, which is not a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal, but it can add up. I mean, it uh, you know, it can add up to $100 for a checkup with bite wings, floor, all that stuff. So it is a it is Delta is making it increasingly hard, but it's very to go out of network, but um, it's really uneven. Delta deals differently with dentists around the country. In some cases, like I was in Rochester, Minnesota yesterday, a client I was working with there has been out of Delta, has a huge practice, has been out of Delta for years, and they do great. By the way, you know what I see there? What's a 92% that? 92% collection percentage. Seeing a 92% collection percentage on gross, I'm not talking about adjusted net on gross, that's like seeing a white buffalo nowadays. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, so you have, so you have white buffaloes running around downtown Minneapolis? Is that the deal? Not even. Well, you know, uh, how about this? The average, guess what the average collection percentage is on gross? You know, you take your standard fees and the write-offs is in the Minnesota area. Just guess, Art. I want your... Oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble on this. Um, tell you. 88? Yeah, it's 80. 80%. Oh, 80%, okay. Now, if I went back in time 15 years ago and said that my average client was collecting 80%, I would have accused myself of management malpractice of the future. <laughs> uh, but that's, it's going down about a point a year or every other year. Yeah, I be- get calls all the time from doctors that are collecting under 70%, under 60% even. And sometimes they don't even know it. It, um, it, it's my, I, I, we, we were talking about one, one of our uh, people that we both know and respect very well in the profession, Gary Takas. He calls it a marketing fee. So if you have a 38% uh, discount on uh, on a PPO, you, you're basically paying a 38, 38% of your revenues in a marketing fee uh, to get patients to come into your practice. I mean, it's it's just criminal. All right, so I, I want to get, I want to... run with that. Let's what? run with that a sec, okay? Okay. Um, the typical, I've done studies on this one. In fact, for years, the ADA used my little statistical method. I worked out with a U of M statistician here. But the average lifetime of a patient in a dental practice is about eight and a half years. And it is interesting to know that. Yeah, And so if you're doing about, uh, let's say, $700 per patient a year, I don't think too many people argue with that. No, that's about right. If you're giving a 35% discount, that costs you about $2,000 to acquire that patient over the course of time. And, and if you're looking at advertising costs, 
what do you think it costs to acquire a new patient if you had to guess with you know typical advertising direct mail that sort of thing yeah or if you're buying a practice they're about the same uh i'm trying to remember i thought i saw these numbers a while back maybe a is it like a hundred, hundred fifty dollars, or maybe it's even more less like, than that? More, more like three hundred. Three hundred, okay. Uh, yeah, two to three hundred. Well, that's. But most doctors blanch at the idea of spending, you know, a thousand dollars to soup up a website or something like that. Right. And they're writing off forty thousand a month. So, uh, what Gary's talking about is very true. The marketing cost for these patients is extremely high. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's let's do this. I want to take a second. I want you to give out your contact information. Then I really want to do a deep dive into how we, you know, how we evaluate getting rid of these PPOs. So let, let's talk about um, uh, tell tell the folks. And and again, you know, Bill is an expert in in this. If you are sick and tired, as is Bill, as is Art Wiederman, uh, the host of this podcast, of what insurance companies are doing to the dental profession. Um, you might want to give him a call. So, Bill, what is your uh, tell the folks how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, yes, yeah, so they can Google my name, Bill Rossi, and they'll get to my website, Advanced Practice Management, or just go to advancedpracticemanagement.com. There's a PPO page that has the articles you're referencing and a bunch of stuff, so you can see if you like the flavor of our stuff, or call my office, nine five two nine two one three three six zero nine five two nine two one three three six zero. And the way we proceed is we have just a brief 20-minute phone conference. There's no obligation. There's no sales pitch. It's just a chance. If I, in talking with you, I feel like we could do some good, then we'll talk about what the next steps might be. But if sometimes people call and go, no, there's nothing I can do for you. So if you are serious about trying to balance your PPO participation, it doesn't hurt to call me. I'm on a mission on this. Yeah. And I can at least point you in the right direction. And well, I'm never... Uh, uh, again, I have clients that are non-par uh, with everything, but that's like 10%. Uh, I think it's more a matter of balancing PPOs. They're not all evil. It's just a matter it's gone too far the other way, and I'm just trying to bring it back, and so that's my mission. It's it's a math problem, Bill. I mean, if 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 I'm on a PPO, and, and because, you know, Delta Premier is a PPO, and I'm getting 93% of UCR, uh, you and I can probably live with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm getting, you know, I mean, I, I, I have doctors who are telling me that they're getting 30 to 50%. And by the way, uh, we're recording this podcast in early March of 2020. I've gotten two phone calls in the last three days that Delta Dental of California is uh, effective July 1 going to be reducing reimbursements to specialists. So um, right now, specialists who are, I, I think it's oral surgeons, periodontists, and endodontists um, are getting, you know, premier fees and they're going to reduce them. So, you know, th- this is this is a constant thing that, that insur- insurance companies, ladies and gentlemen, have two objectives. Collect as much in premium from their uh, customers as they can and pay out as little in benefits as they can. And they, they, they basically do that very, very well because if you look up the, the, what, what the uh, CEOs of these big insurance companies make, it's, 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 it's horrifying. I, I want to. That, that, that Delta lawsuit uh, cites that the average pay of a Delta executive in a 36 Delta entities, something like that. Yeah. 30, 30, around $3 million. Yep. Well, I don't know. I, I know you're a really good uh, consultant, Bill, and I'm sure that you've done a lot to increase the, the, the net profit of your, of your uh, dental clients. But I, I doubt that unless you have multiple practice owners uh, as clients, that your single dentists are netting $3 million a year. No, don't see that every day, no. No, don't see that either. All right, let, let's get into this. I, I really want to go down this road with you for the rest of the show. Um, okay. Okay, so you talk to a doctor. doctor says, I'm sick of this. I throw up every day before I come to work because I know I'm doing this work for 40, 45% discount. What's the first step when that when that doctor starts to feel that pain and says, "Bill, I, I, I gotta I gotta move towards fee for service. I gotta look at dropping APPO, some PPOs, all PPOs." Where do they start? Where do you start so the analysis? I start with the context of the practice. So when we talk to the doctor, I'll ask him questions that are kind of are like checks for their mental and practice readiness. So I'll I'll say first of all, do you know what your collection percentage is? Some practices nowadays 
load up the insurance company fees. So they're charging out the fees to the insurance company and they don't even know what they're writing off. Right. Which drives me nuts. It makes you look like you have a good collection percentage, but your probably your biggest expense other than staff salaries and maybe bigger than that is not even, there's no handle on it. And I say, get a handle on it. But anyway, so we try to get a feel for that. Uh, I ask them on a scale of one to 10, rate your busyness with 10, you're maxed out one, you have nothing to do. If they say, well, I'm like at a seven or eight or nine. Okay. I ask them how far are there, if is it hard to get new patients in? Is their hygiene booked out of ways? Um, are they losing capacity with, let's say, the departure of an associate or a retiring doctor? Uh, do they have good new patient flow? Again, they don't have to have it perfect, but the more boxes you check, that means you're fit enough to do. But here's the irony on this, Art, because the doctors that are in the best position to drop a PPO are the ones that are temperamentally geared the opposite way. In other words, uh, I'll look at a doctor and say, look, you're big, booked out to kingdom come. You're examining 300 patients a month, three hygienists all the time, which would drive most doctors nuts. Yep. And uh, you're collecting 55% of what you produce. Uh, you know, you can leave a PPO and you'll be fine. You have plenty of backlog in your practice. The situation, we'll get into other factors in a minute. And they're just temperamentally, I mean, if they have an hour down last Thursday, they go, I better not drop a PPO, gosh, yep. I, you know. So um, so what we do is we look at, does the practice have good inert, momentum? Do you have a solid team? If the guy says to me, I say, rate your front desk people. This is just very informal. Rate your front desk people on a scale of 1 to 10. If they go, well, 5 or 6, I go, you're not going to go through a PPO conversion with front desk team that you're not confident in. So you have to have, if your house is in pretty good order and you've got good practice momentum, you can start asking yourself why you're working in such a steep discount. So those are some of the factors. Yeah, and and it, it is very, very important that you just don't do an, a knee-jerk, I'm going to get out of all my PPOs because that, that's – that's professional suicide. Okay, so we go ahead, and you you know you assess the practice, and you say, yeah, Doctor uh, Doctor Smith, I think I think you're a good candidate. You you're busy enough. Your team's on board. Because I'll tell you what, the the team, and maybe comment to this before I go to my next question, the the team is is going to be all over getting out of this, or or are they? How how does when we go to the dental team and we say we're going to drop MetLife or we're going to drop uh, Aetna or we're going to drop Delta? How do you see the teams reacting, the front office administrators who are on the front lines? They're afraid. Uh, they're afraid of losing uh, hours, job security. Uh, they're just as afraid as the dentist is. Moreover, they're afraid that they're the ones that have to deal with the patients and take the wrath of the patients. Right. And um, and so they are usually fearful. And usually when we get them on the right side of things, they're okay with it. But uh, again, doctors have an over-focus, uh, I always say open time is a bad advisor. In other words, no matter how busy you are in your practice, you're going to have open time and hygiene. And if you let that be your guide versus your practice exam flow and other things like that, you're always going to think you have to be in a PPO because you had an hour open last Thursday or an hour open yesterday. And there's an acceptable amount of hygiene open time. I, I'll take a little hygiene open time to increase your collections by about 10 points. Yep. So uh, there's that temperamental thing. But to answer your question, the staff has to see that it's fair. They have to believe your fees are fair. What you do with a team is you go, look, you have probably about 30% of your patients, that's pretty typical, that don't have insurance. Uh, when, they when they come here, they pay the full fee. If all your patients paid you what Delta PPO is, you'd be out of business. So don't be afraid of this transition. I'm not saying in that, I guess you get my gist, but you really have to work with the staff so they feel that it's fair to the patients. Well, and, and the other thing, Bill, let's address this for a second. I mean, wouldn't it be a good thing if you're considering going out of network to uh, sitting down with a pad of paper or a, a big you know, clipboard in front of the team uh, or on a PowerPoint or something and say, okay, all right, if we go out of network with uh, MetLife, um, here is how much we're going to get paid on a profi, and here is how much the additional cost to the patient is. I mean, if we're talking on a profi, and, and again, I don't know what pro, in, in Southern California, you're looking at, 
you know, fee for service, 110 to 140 dollars is probably the average for pro fee. I suspect in Minneapolis, it's probably not that much different. No. Okay, so it's about, you, it's about 104 in Minneapolis. 104. Okay, so if if we tell the person at the front desk that by going out of network, Mrs. Smith. We we think that this this might only be a you know three or four dollars additional, and I don't know what the answer is. Um, is that a, is that a good way to talk to the team about this? Well, you do, but you know what? They care more about how it affects the patient than the doctor, right? And the uh, office, and um, so if you point out to them that uh, what I always start with is an affirmation: uh, Why should patients come here at all, regardless of the insurance stuff? And so when they really feel uh, good about their practice and their treatment of patients, it, it rolls more naturally. Oh, that's a great and point. And I always accent the positive. When we go through these transitions, we used to write letters, which we're going to get to. Yeah, that's, the next, that's the next subject. No self-respecting dentist would be with his PPO or something like that. And I call that my ugly dog theory. <laughs> and that is, uh, <laughs> let's say you've got an ugly dog, right? And maybe you know, Is that ugly dog related to the white elephant? Well, no. <laughs> Let's say you've got an ugly dog, right? And maybe you can kind of know your dog's ugly. But if I say, hey, man, you got an ugly dog, you'll rise to the fence of that dog. Right. So people don't, if you want to see how people feel about insurance companies, Google Delta of California, you know, Massachusetts, they get one and a half stars, something like that. Uh-huh. So, but if they Google dental office, usually four or five stars, something like that. So <laughs> anyway, where was it going? Um, so what we do is when you leave an insurance, you accent the positive that uh, you're lucky to have insurance. It certainly helps. You know, does insurance cover 100% of everything? No, insurance company covers 100% of everything, but it certainly helps. You're lucky to have it. So we don't diss the insurance company, even though mentally I want to kill them all, but we don't diss them. Uh, and we keep things positive. And if we keep things positive, the confrontations with the patients are not unpleasant. And most patients do like you more than they like their insurance company. So if you don't insult their insurance company and just help the patient, you'll be surprised at how good the retention can be. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. All right. So let, let's get into this discussion. Okay. We've decided that we're going to dump Aetna, MetLife, Delta. We're going to dump somebody. All right. We're, we're going to do this. It's time. Now, you and I had conversation about sending a letter out, and I got the impression that that is not something that you're in favor of. Uh, tell me why. Okay. I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, I figured I you would. Write those, I used to write those letters, and they always sound self-righteous and serving. Now, so just imagine, Art, you're you're coming home from a hard day at work, and you're getting down, you're getting, uh, you get a letter from your dental office protesting Delta Dental or MetLife or Aetna or something. You go, oh, look, honey, I was going to watch the simpsons but i think i'll sit down and write this read this righteous letter from <laughs> okay but they do as they open it and go i guess i can't go there anymore oh. and there's a so it's a cathartic thing doctors want to write that letter to get it off their chest and the staff kind of wants them to write the letter because they go well we covered our ass with paper now uh, uh but i just dealt with a situation in uh, middle america where with a uh, blue cross uh for a variety of reasons uh, we thought, well, in this case, because of the unevenness of the out-of-network benefits, we should wash a, write a letter. There was special circumstances when I'll get to some others. And so they did send letters, but it doesn't do any good because when patients come in, they say, here's the deal. And the patient goes, I never got a letter. Uh-huh. or I got the letter. I didn't read it. The well, I threw it out. Send, when you send letters, uh, they usually jump to conclusions. They don't read them. Once you send a letter, you can't unsend it. So we find that it's much better to deal with patients face-to-face, and that's a whole thing we get into because face-to-face, you can use body language. By the 10th patient you talk to, you got it. If you are going to send a letter someday, it'll be a better letter. Now, I do recommend you send letters when Delta sends us letter or, let's say, MetLife or any company you're dropping, but only when they send a letter and only after they send it. Do you know why, Art? Why? Because you get the last word. Huh? Okay. You let them send a letter, and then you make them look like uh, ass. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you make them you you counter their letter oh, again. You keep it positive, but if you let them write first, you can respond to their letter. So when people, Bill, can you give me a letter? I can Delta Dental. I go, no way, because I've never written the same letter twice. Um, 
because okay. you react to the response. Plus, I don't want Delta to see a foreign letter or something. So uh, there's here's here's something else that's very important tactically. Let's use a case history because I think that's easiest. Let's okay. say in your practice doctor, you've got 50% MetLife or Cigna. It could be anything. I'm not particularly picking on MetLife. It just comes to mind and lots of MetLife across the country. So let's say I got 50% MetLife and I'm taking about a 45% hit on MetLife, like you're going through the math. There. Yep. Let's say that I told you, based on the out-of-network benefits and other factors, that you could lose up to a third of your MetLife patients or 5% of your practice. Now, if you lost 5% of your practice next month, that would sting a little. Uh, doctors wouldn't like it, plus you have the Anderson family effect. But if you lose 5% of your practice over two years, you hardly notice it. So one of the reasons you don't write letters is they rapidly accelerate whatever loss and confusion you're going to have. If you talk to patients face-to-face, you see them all at least one more time. And there's a whole art to doing that. Well, let, let, times when you do write letters where you do them in small batches or calls, but, uh, you know, the artful handling of re- responding to how the insurance company does things is a big chunk of what we do. How do you outsmart them and outmessage them? Well, let's, let's get in, let's get into that now. Now I know we're not going to, we don't have time and it's not really appropriate to get into, you know, scripting. We're not going to talk about that. What what I want to do is, is maybe have you give a, 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 an overview because this is, this might be the most important part of this podcast, an overview of, what what is it that the team has to do the mindset and 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 the thought process and and how do we get them to buy in and 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 how are they going to communicate with the patients again we're not going to get into details and we're not going to role play but give give us some pearls on that cuz that's really important well i'm going to art but i do want to take a step back One okay step we mixed let's say uh the, the doc the practice has good momentum and is strong enough to look at a ppo transition and lots of times doctors think unless they're booked out forever, they aren't. But let's say they do it. When you decide which PPO it's to drop. So first of all, we decide, are you in a position to drop a PPO if it's possible? Second is, which ones do you drop and in which order? Right. Uh, like, so, you, you know, like the Clint Eastwood movie, you want to be lucky in the order. <laughs> and everyone goes, well, are you going to drop the lower fee one first? No, the fee allowance is part of it, but also the size of it in the practice, like that MetLife example. 15% is a nice PPO to, you know, if you, you dump that successfully, you're adding three or four points to your class. So if you do 100000 a month, you're making three or 4000 a month. That goes right to the bottom line, 100%. Right so the, the size of it, like someone calls me up and let's say that uh, 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 one of the PPOs is a huge part of the practice. I go, let's, let's get into a warm-up transition before we get into a big show. And that gets the staff more confident. Uh, you also look at the out-of-network benefits, which you and I alluded to. Sometimes the out-of-network benefits are nada. And if that's the case, and the patients don't have other options, which is a whole other story, if they don't have other options, you're going to lose most of those patients. And so you might drop, let's say, uh, a plan where some of the Delta PPO patients will have zero benefits in your office. You have to be aware that, okay, those 100 that work for that one employer over there are goners. Uh, so you do have to look at the out-of-network benefits, the fee allowance, the size of the practice, how easy the company is to work for, which particularly like people like school teachers in their practice. And so they might go, I don't care if this Delta or the insurance company stinks with the school teachers. I like school teachers. So selecting which PPOs to drop is an important part of the process. And then we drop them one at a time. Um, and and grat- till we reach a balance point, like ballast and balloon. So we never, you t- do one check, are we okay? Are we growing? Are the revenues going up? Okay, let's do another one. Let's do another one. And okay, we're good. We're good. Well, and, and here's another thing, Bill, we can talk about is, is you know, if we're moving towards fee-for-service, we can raise our fees. That brings in additional revenues to offset maybe the loss of some patients. And we can also bring some ancillary services into the practice, right? Right. I call that fortification because you can't just leave a PPO. I always say you have to be working towards something. So you're not just leaving, uh, you know, Delta PPO. Uh, you're working towards something because you're relying less on the suits at the insurance company to fill your schedule. So I'll say to guys, look, if you're going to do this and you're collecting another 10000 a month, how about souping up your website or getting a new sign or, you know, new carpet? Or CBCT machine. 
Yeah, yes, he and uh and then continuing ed. Yes. So oh. if you're adding implants to your procedure mix, that makes a selection of um continuing ed a strategic decision. And by adding Invisalign, those sorts of things, you're fortifying the practice. So lots of times these transitions can be a stimulant to a practice renaissance. You know, I always say to doctors this when they're feeling kind of scared about dropping a PPO, I go, think of the guts it took, man, when you first bought the practice or when you started the practice or when you built your new facility or when you expanded your facility or even when you bought like a CEREC machine. I mean, those are irreversible decisions. And they were far, you know, let's say that uh, I'm completely in left field. You drop a PPO and it isn't working out. You're bleeding from the nose and ears and uh, the economy tanks and everything else you can always call up the ppo guys and go hell i was kidding we love you guys <laughs> <laughs> you're the best <laughs> but i've never I've can you never, drop our fees another 30 percent, please <laughs> yeah never please sir may i have another there you go it might have happened i mean there might be a client i did 10 years ago that's rejoined uh, but i haven't heard it because we're so careful about how we do it but think about it how in your practice you have something that's a uh, non-capital outlay, reversible decision if it didn't work out, has a high probability of success, as greatly to the bottom line. Uh, great. Now, you mentioned you raise your fees. I sometimes counsel dentists to lower their fees because they're actually getting their fees. And uh-huh. it makes the co-payments easier on, uh, on the patients that you're seeing out of network. You go, well, right now you say your fees are X, but you're really you know living off 60% X. How about if you make your fees... Uh, you know, 90% of X and actually, you know, uh, get 75 or 80%, you know, bring the collection percentage up. I want to, I want to, we, we're, we're getting unfortunately close to the end of our time together. Oh, we got to get back to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where, where do you want to go next on this? Cause I know there's a well, bunch. I, I, I promised to get back to the thing you wanted to get to with the staff. Yeah. Let, let's go there. So let's say that tactically we crunch the numbers, we figure out the momentum, we decided which ones, you have to get the team behind it. And this is where it's 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 like psychology because I can't, you know, I was talking with you about how it's really hard to do scripts. If I gave you scripts to a Friends episode or a Seinfeld episode, you wouldn't laugh. Right. Um, you have to feel it. And so when we go out, we go over what the, it will impact the patients on their co-pays or no co-pays. The fairness of it, you have patients that are paying the full fee. You have some insurance companies paying better than others. The staff knows the language of the patients. If you make them understand that what you're doing is a matter of equitability, their words come naturally. And if you keep things positive so they don't feel like they have to spend all day long dissing Delta or any other insurance company, it the whole vibes of the thing can be quite positive. So when we do this, like I, we were hinting at before, you're not just leaving a PPO, you're kind of creating a whole new tone for the practice that isn't so reliant on PPOs and is more reliant on, I guess, a more positive, proactive report uh, approach to management than just, you know, being on insurance company list. But but you when you go into an office and they are, have made and the doctor has made the decision to drop uh, a PPO, multiple PPOs, all PPO, whatever it is. I mean, uh, you're you're spending a lot of time with the front office people who are on the front lines, coaching them, not necessarily with a script, but with how do you how do you answer objections? So uh, there are going to be objections, right? Right, and again, that's why I say sometimes it's better to be reactive than proactive. We kind of see how things roll. A lot of time, usually uh, when I go out to an office, is for a day because I have my home homies here to take care of, and I don't want to live in hotels. I can usually do in a day if we take someone through what I call an exorcism. You know, getting <laughs> we do that, but we also hold their hand for at least six, usually 10 months to a year afterwards to make sure they're through it okay. And I, I learn from every person I take through it. Everyone I get out of the swamp, I'm learning a different thing. And then that helps me with the next person. And so uh, we do it. You can get pretty much what they need to know in a day. But then throughout the months, we see, well, if the insurance company did this or some patients are experiencing that or this or that is happening. So that's why we stay with them until we know, okay, you're good. You're out of the, you're out of the swamp. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really 
repetition and and you got to have a strong person who like you say believes in this uh at the at the front desk because that's that's just so critical and i think it's a you know the the doctor always sets the tone the doctor is the leader the doctor sets the vision the doctor says we're going out of network the doctors get to have the why and it's not just for money ladies and gentlemen it's is what bill is telling you it's not just about money it's about patient care and that we're taking this practice to the next level and in order to do that you know we we need we need to do this and if we talk to the patients correctly that's the bottom line if we face to face talk to the patients one by one correctly most of them get it because my bill my experience with doctors that have gone out of network with some ppos i'm hearing 80 85 90 percent retention is that what you're seeing it does vary if they have zero out of network benefits. Right, they right. They're goners, but uh, and I'm very cautious about saying this. But you know, as a gut check, I'll say I'll say to a doctor, look, if you lost half the patients on this PPO, would you still be okay? And if they go, yeah, I'd be okay. I wouldn't like it. Uh, I do that as a gut check, but they <laughs> usually lose far less than half. Right. And, and so. Uh, I'm real careful about saying that, but if you put a gun to my head and say, how much will you lose if you drop the typical PPO or cut back? I'd say a rule of thumb is about a third, but that's a very dangerous rule of thumb. Right. But if, again, if, if, if these PPOs are cutting your fees by 40, 45% and you lose a third of your patients, you'll actually see, do less work and make more money. Um, Yes. But, but what goes on, Art, is, you know, they might be making more money, but last Thursday they had an hour open. Oh, no. Oh, no. And you go, well, look at the bottom line. I mean, you're doing fine. But if you just leave the PPOs and don't do stuff. Now, I wrote an article that I'm proud of that's on my website on, that I did for the Profit Dentist called Justify. And whenever I take people through this stuff, I if doctors read the Justify article, because it kind of shows where the head is at with this. Uh, how how do I justify I have my... Um, my cousin Ken, actually, my uncle's son, said to me, Bill, it sounds to me like you just helped dentists jack up their fees on patients. And I go, really? That's how you see it? <laughs> and so I wrote this article to answer my cousin Ken, whose father was a dentist. And uh, and I'm really proud of the article because it does talk about the ethical justification for what I do. Right. And, and, and again, I was on... Uh, Bill, and again, his last name is R-O-S-S-I. Go on to his website, ladies and gentlemen. There are dozens of articles. I also think you've got a couple of podcasts that you were on that are that are on there, or some recordings or some lectures. Right, I, I did, uh, yeah, a few of those, and I'll, I'll probably put this one. I, I do hope you do, and, 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 and that would be great because we have got to get the message out because, uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, this is, it is scary. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, you will lose some patients, but the but but the other fact of the matter is is you have a great practice. You're a great clinician, and and you've got to keep telling yourself that. And your team, most of the teams I see, they love their doctors. Isn't that the case, uh, Bill? Well, if they don't, I they don't shouldn't be working for them. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna. Uh, that's one of the questions we ask. If they have a bunch of team discord and turnover and stuff, they're not indicated. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you got to have a team and you don't have to be perfect. No one right. is, but you have to have a practice that's pretty tight. And the doctor, the same, wait a sec. You remember Gary Larson, the old cartoonist, Gary Larson? Oh, sure. I re- the one that I wish I had, I got to get this cartoon, but it has these cows, the like cows. And there's these cows in the pasture and they're, you know, eating. And the caption is from one of the cows, hey, this is grass. We've been eating grass. <laughs> and I think there's a moment when a moment when a dentist goes, Hey, I've been kind of eating grass. This is nuts. I'm uh I'm this is crazy. I can't work for half my feet. Yeah. That was the far side, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It, it it's just so poignant and you look at it and it's so simple and it's so funny. You're, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I want to touch on one more one more thing, and then we'll wrap this thing up, uh, Bill. And your your information is golden. And thank you so much uh, for 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 talking to me today. Um, do you have a number now? If someone, two things on this. Number one, 
if going back to if we're going to go ahead and take on a PPO, is there a percentage, say, of your top 10 fees um, of a of a of a discount like 10, 15, 20, 30 percent? In other words, you say if, if the discount is less than is more than this, then I don't think you should take it. I mean, do, do no, you have I a don't because, for no? example, there's there's cases. Uh, I was just doing a Delta exorcism and. Delta exorcism. Yeah, <laughs> love. I'm going to use that. Can I? Do I have permission to use that? Yeah, I used to use. I that. love that. <laughs> Delta exorcism. You know, like the exorcist and uh, bring an old priest in it. Now I'm the old priest, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, if a even if it's a fifty percent discount, which you can see with some of the deltas, but if it's you know eighty percent of your practice, doctors, if they don't otherwise have good momentum, have to take it. So I can't. I never use that that kind of thing, of course, you're looking for the worst offenders first, but it's, that's why you have to look at a bunch of factors and there's no hard and fast rule. That's right. That's right. So let, let's put a bow on this, uh, Bill. So uh, a dentist is just really angry. They're not making as much money. They can't fund their retirement. They can't give raises. Um, and, and, and they come to you and, you know, g- give our listeners some hope. There's hope here, right? Yes. Uh, the Again, doctor, if you're one of these guys that are women that, you know, uh, is just running your butt off, uh, chances are, if you look into this, you can gain a few points to your collections. Uh, I find it rare when I can't find some revenues for people. You know, your job, Art, is to make sure they save as much on taxes. And I listened to your podcast about 10 financial uh, errors people make. And I want to add number 11, staying with PPOs too long. Yep. Staying with too many PPOs Good for too you. Long. There's plenty of hope. And I I mean, I've helped many doctors increase their collections by 10, 20, 30,000 a month. And uh, we watch very carefully the health of the practice and everyone comes out okay. Now, again, I don't want to tempt the gods or whatever on this, but yes, there's hope, doctor. You do have more power than you think to kind of bring this. But it safe. takes some work. It takes you got to go cautiously just like you do with taxes or anything else. You can't just do it emotionally. Doctors join too emotionally and they leave too emotionally. Right. All right, Bill, let's one more time. Let's, let's give out your contact information uh, and then I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up and give out our information again and then we'll call it a day. So, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you, you obviously now know that Bill Rossi is an expert, uh, not only in practice management, he can help you with all that kind of stuff uh, and his work helped with thousands of dentists in his 35-year career, but also his wheelhouse and his passion is helping dentists to reduce their dependency on insurance and get out of PPO. So Bill, if, if you have a, if you have a question, ladies and gentlemen, please call him, look up his website, just have a conversation. So how do they get a hold of you again? Again, uh, Google my name, Bill Rossi. That works pretty well to get to advanced practice management or call me at 952-921-3360. And if you go to my website, you'll see articles and you can hit a response thing where we line up a 20 minute consult and that's so call and we we'll the talk or set up a time to talk. And, uh, I'm not interested in selling any big consulting things. I've got plenty to do up here. Uh, so I'm more, when I'm dealing with people around the country, outside the upper Midwest, it's mostly just the PPO stuff. That's that's why I want to focus. On. Well, and, and I'll tell you what: the more dentists that we can get to get out of these things and to to do dentistry for a fair fee, uh, because most of our dentists are outstanding clinicians and they change people's lives. Uh, the, the better the profession is going to be for 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 all of us. So, uh, yes. Bill, Bill, thank you so much for your time and your expertise, and I'm excited that I got to to chat with you today. And Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, I'm at 714-505-9000 or email me at artwiederman at gmail.com if you have an idea for a podcast or a question you want me to read on the air. Um, If you are not subscribing to our partner Decisions in uh, Dentistry magazine, uh, you need to do that uh, along with 80,000 of your friends across the United States. 
Uh, go to www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, go onto the About page and subscribe. Also look at their amazing, amazing uh, articles, uh, continuing education courses and classes. Uh, it, it will absolutely make your practice better. If you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, um, again, we've got you covered. The Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. I know that um, Bill has uh, known very, very well. My, We call them the two Rons, Ron Sarzinski and Ron Bartel. Um, Ron Sarzinski is – what's that? Very active guys in there. Yeah. Ron, so Ron, I actually met Ron. He was one of the first people I met in dentistry because what ended up happening was that uh, I helped him. Um, uh, I, I mean, I was working with him in negotiating this, the, um, uh, I think, the purchase of a practice or the sale of a practice. I mean, 32, 33 years ago. And uh, Ronnie and I have known each other. We played golf. We, we get together when he comes to Southern California. He's one of the finest people I know. Uh, Ron Bartell, also one of the finest people I know. They're both in Minneapolis. Uh, uh, the only problem I have with Ron is Ron is about a four or five handicap. And um, when we played our tournament at Top Golf in St. Louis, Ron took me out in the first round. So, uh, no, I love Ron, actually. They're both great guys and, and all that stuff. I just saw him the other night at a panel. And, uh, I did not know he was a hotshot goal. No, he's he I he's when I saw I was in the first round I said I'm done. But anyway, uh, listen, thank you so much, Bill, for your for your time and your expertise. And and ladies and gentlemen, please listen to this. Take notes. Give give Bill a call. And that will do it, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends about our podcast. Write a review. Um, just spread the word because the work we're doing, I'm very, very proud of. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.